Hey, this is Rachel Friedman, and you are listening to Mastering the Craft of Coaching. The entry bar in our coaching industry is really low. So to compete in the coaching industry, you have to be really fucking incredible at your craft. That's why every week I will be sharing my tips, tools, and stories to help you become an incredible coach for your clients. Truthfully, this is the backbone of your business, and it is what is going to make you a sought-after coach with a thriving business with clients who are sending you referral after referral after referral. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Mastering the Craft of Coaching. And so those of you that are listening that knew the podcast as The Wellness Boss, we changed names just a couple weeks ago. So here it is, me saying it loud and clear. I am honored and so freaking excited to have Simone Soul with me on the podcast today. Guys, you are in for seriously the biggest treat of your life. Simone and I met, God, is it like four years ago now, Simone? Three years ago? Yeah, many years ago. Many yeah. years ago. It feels like centuries ago in um, a group program. And I don't, I think I've shared this with Simone since we're going to be talking about honesty today. I'm just going to be honest from the moment we start this podcast. I met Simone via like, you know, Facebook group, basically in this group. And I just saw all of her wins and she was just posting win after win. And I immediately decided I did not like her because oh, I love it. <laughs> because she was winning so much. And at that time, like four years ago, I was in so much of my own mind shit of mm. what is wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. And she was just such really an example of what I wanted to be and become. Of course, I didn't know Simone's story at the time. From the group, it looked like she had just started like me. But later I learned that wasn't really the case. So I was, it's like, you never really know guys what, what you're comparing against. So comparison is just stupid. Anyway, so we're going to be talking today about honesty. And when Simone and I just got started, she was like, she asked me the best question. She was like, what's something that you feel like kind of, what was the exact way you said it, Simone? Something you feel- Something you're, you're scared to talk about. Yeah, scared to talk about. And um, it didn't originally come with honesty, but we realized together that underneath it was honesty, which I think truthfulness, which is such an amazing topic. So before we go into it, Simone- Tell them a little bit about you, where you are in the world, all that good stuff. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm so um, honored to be here. Thank you for inviting me on this podcast. I live in Korea with my husband and my baby. And um, nowadays, you know, my business is just me leaning into chaos. <laughs> I was just talking to one of my mentors and yesterday. And she was telling me, you know what you really excel at, which you exemplify over and over and which you actually teach people how to do underneath all the other things is being in the void and leaning the fuck into the void and creating from that void over and over and over again. And when I say the void, I mean things like, you know, when you feel like you're trying to do something 
and you feel like you've just got to figure it out and you're starting to feel competent and you're yep. like, yep, I'm getting the groove of this, right? That is often when I'm like, okay, time to burn it all down and go straight back into the place where I don't know what's certain anymore. I don't know that I've that I like what I was doing before and I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do next and what the fuck now. That is what I call the void in hmm. which things are liquid, things are unknown, things are uncertain. And my qualification for doing anything that I do is that I love the void. I live in the void a lot of the time. And it, that's what I'm here to talk about. Uh, well, I mean, that's, well, actually, that's true. That is what I'm here to talk about. Because when Rachel said, what should we talk about? Because I knew that we'd have a great conversation. But I was like, it was my form of going into the void where I asked her. And I said, I'm going to ask myself the same question. What's a little bit scary for you to talk about? Because that's where like the edge is. And beyond the edge is the void. And the void is always so interesting. So um, with all of that, on the surface, what I teach is marketing and business. And when you look a layer beyond that, it's the void. So we, I, can I just like, give this preface? Like we were like, okay, so what's scary for you? What's scary for me? And then we both were talking about, you know what? Scary for me to, scary for me to talk about? Like my divorce a little bit and like parts of it. Turns out we are both scared to talk about our divorces for kind of similar reasons. Same reason basically. <laughs> the way like, the universe works right it brings people like I think together in yeah. magical ways exactly and I was and and we were saying you know let's just talk about the things that we think about that are difficult to talk about right it doesn't mean because Rachel and I aren't going to air out all of the sordid details and the dirty laundry I think if we're being really honest, Rachel, I think probably, at least speaking for myself, a part of me wishes that I could. Oh, 100%. Right? Part of me wishes I could. That's the truth. And the other truth is that I'm not really sure if I don't want to or I can't. Because it scares me. Yeah, I think a part of me wants to, but a part of me is afraid of not so much myself, like, I'm pretty much an open book to most people. I mean, there's very little, I, my husband says too much. Um, it's more of like how it will affect other people that I love and care about. And um, it's that love that keeps me from, I think, sharing some of the stuff. Okay. That just picked my curiosity because I have the same thought, right? Like, oh, it's the people I love. I don't want them to be negatively affected. And then while you were saying that, I just started wondering, is that really, truly out of love for them? Or is it yeah. some kind of, I know I, I'm kind of squirming inside too. Like, yeah. or is it actually, I'm just trying to protect myself, but I'm saying it's because I want to protect you. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know maybe. either. Maybe. I'm not sure. I don't know. No, don't make me. <laughs> No, I know. I'm not, I mean, I'm not making you, I'm not making me do anything, <laughs> but I just thought like, why not go here? Because I think that, you know, if you listen to Rachel's podcast, you probably, you know, 
put on a pedestal. A lot, a lot of people who listen to my podcast put me on a pedestal and think, oh, they talk about being authentic. They talk about being themselves all the time and they must not have any ouchy, scary places inside right? them that they don't want to go to. And I'm telling you right now, there are things that like I won't talk about, but I'm honestly not sure if that's a real choice based on like real reasons out of like my principles or whatever, mm-hmm. or if those principles are just stands in for, I actually don't know how I could deal with that. Like I just like emotionally, I'm not ready. I don't know if I ever will be ready. You know, like honestly, that's how I feel. Yeah. And I want people to know that we're not perfect. Like we have those places inside us. Such a good point. And it's actually interesting. I, in my program on our group call today, one of the girls actually said that. I was like, I made a comment about, yeah, no, I still freak out. And I, I don't remember exactly. I think we were talking about, she was talking about, she had just posted something and she was having what we call vulnerability hangover. And we were talking about how I said, oh yeah, like I still feel nauseous when I go into launch mode and freak out. Is this going to really happen? And is anyone want this? Is anyone assigned? She's like, you still have those thoughts? Totally. And I'm like, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. get louder, actually, not quieter, ironically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think no human is out there without some of their cobwebs and pedestals are so not. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we all I do, want- right? But also it's like, we just like ground ourselves with like, wait a minute, we're all just humans trying to get through this human experience. Yep. We all have cobwebs. And I I think that there's an expectation, like an internalized expectation that we should all have cleared our cobwebs completely. And that we should, we should be feel capable of being an, an open book about all the things, or we should feel be totally clear and transparent about everything. And I just don't think that's how it works. Yeah. I try to, like, I, try, I think, like, there's a piece of us that believes that and also believes that until we're at that place, we can't really, you know, be a coach or do this work and help other people heal. And I also don't think that's true. I think that, like, there's different levels and different layers. And when you're ready, if you're ever ready to go to that place, it will be there. And it's not like something you have to force or something that you have to like, like put pressure on. Like that just, I've learned for myself that doesn't work. I know like, you know, after I got divorced, I, you know, I wanted to obviously meet someone else and I wanted to have a relationship where I felt like the other person would see me and talk to me and, um, you know, have like this really intimate connection, which was what I was felt like I was lacking in my first marriage. And I really believed in my heart that person was out there. But then when I first like started putting myself in the dating pool, it's like, you know, oh, put the pressure on to meet the right person. And it just doesn't work right? It's when you like lean back and you're like, okay, I'm I'm fine on my own actually, which was huge for me, huge healing to see that I could be on my own because I hadn't really ever been on my own. I mean, if I'm being honest, like I went from my parents' house to college, to graduate school, basically to meeting my first husband. I mean, there were some guys in, in, in the mix there, but like, you know, it was like, I, I don't, 
there wasn't any big periods of time of like, wow, I got to take care of me. And at the time I had two small kids, like two small kids, I got to take care of them. Like, holy shit. Like, can I do this? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to admit to something that I'm so embarrassed to admit, but when I was separating from my first husband, like one of the biggest, well, there were several big worries, like reasons my brain told me I couldn't was because I did the same. Like I went from like my parents' house to college to essentially, you know, to my first husband. And um, I, I had never paid rent on my own before. Mm. And so I was like, if I get a divorce, I don't know how to pay rent. I mean, it's like a real concern. I mean, I had like some honestly like bills, like, electric, yeah, I, like, like I don't know. My husband did all that yes. before that I was in school. And before that, my parents did all that. Like, and I'm like terrified to say this because it makes me sound like a spoiled brat, which I was right. I actually literally was. And it was really scary for me. And yeah. I was like, what, what would I do? I don't know. And I just felt like a little girl, like out in the world, like, loose and I I actually forgot that that was I I felt so unprepared for the world and I wasn't (laughs) you know what's so funny Simone just at dinner we were just talking my daughter was telling how she has to memorize I don't know like 50 amendments or something for government Mm -hmm. tomorrow and I was like why did they make you memorize that like literally like really like what is the purpose I'm like you know what they need to teach you how to like balance a checkbook and pay bills yep yeah and also like I kind of like blame my parents because they kind of overprotected me and sheltered me um I mean I don't really blame them because what they did the best they could and there were a lot of upsides the the way they raised me too but um in the end the effect was like I felt like I didn't know how to do basic life things and the, the embarrassing truth is that that really held me back. It was one of the big things that held me back. Oh, so here's, okay, so here's, here's some of the dirty laundry. Like, I didn't know that I could pay rent and like do adult things on my own because my husband always took care of that, my ex-husband. And two, um, I didn't have this idea of myself that I was like a lovable person. So it felt like a fluke that my first husband, who was a wonderful person, like fell in love with me. And I was like, well, if he's gone, who's going to love me? And I had a really strong sense that this marriage was wrong and I needed to get out. But also I was like, I'm pretty sure I got like one shot at being loved and I used it up and I fucked it up. And I was telling Rachel briefly before we started recording, I was like, that healing from that shame, that story of like, I'm not lovable. And I fucked up my one chance of being really loved. And that means I'm just not, uh, I don't deserve love. Um, And I actually deserve to be unhappy for the rest of my life because who does that? Like who gets the one chance that they're given to be really loved by a wonderful person and fucks it up? that is clearly somebody who deserves unhappiness. And so I think for the next few years, I was intent on making myself as miserable as possible and hating myself as much as possible in a very like twisted way of like, it was like me enacting justice on myself. Like I'm so bad that this is what I deserve. And that 
is the birthplace of my coaching journey. <laughs> I love it. It's, 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 I know. I don't think I've ever talked about this anywhere. Well, I'm yeah. honored that we're talking about yeah. this here. And, you know, I can somewhat relate. I mean, my coaching journey started shortly after my divorce. And I just realized that, that I just realized things about myself, right? I realized things about how I treated myself and how, because I treated myself in such a shitty ass way, yeah. I treated my ex in a pretty shitty ass way. Like I made everything he did wrong. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was because everything I believed, everything I did was wrong. And yeah. so when, for me, it was like healing that is the mm. only reason why I think now I have a great relationship is because oh, I, I have, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I was gonna say, I think I probably just would have kept attracting it into my life. I have a very parallel story, which is I, I think that I often think that if it hadn't been for my first marriage, um, I'm very happily married to my second husband now. And if it hadn't been for that, I keep thinking like, I would believe my own brain every time my brain tells me now there's something wrong with your husband. Mm. And because I, I went through that first marriage and I know that the comment, the common ingredient is me. Yeah. Right. The de- common denominator in my relationship, unhappiness and bullshit is me. And then, so when, when my brain's like, even my brain will you tell me that now, like, you know what? You'd be happier if, if your husband was more blah, blah, blah. If he, Oh my was God. I so relate. I have right? to like, seriously tell my brain like, no. And yeah. And my brain's like, remember in your first marriage, when your brain told you all of these things about why you were unhappy, it was all his fault. And you believed it hundred percent. Well, here it is again. Right. And then, so I, I have the perspective now due to my first marriage that when my brain says, if my husband changed, I'd be happier. It's bullshit. And because I know, and there's been relationships in between. Right. So I know it's always me. Like, it's not always me. It's not like, you know, I mean, if somebody's like beating you up, it's not you, it's them, right. You should break up with them. But, but, but just the pattern of like, they need to be different they need to understand me better. They need to get me more. They need to treat me this way. They're doing this wrong. They're dressing wrong. They're eating wrong. They, they're deciding this wrong. It, one of the things my husband is and does that drives me absolutely fucking crazy, but which like is the quality that makes him the perfect mate for me is that he takes forever to decide things. Mm. He will think about a thing for like a year. He'll be like, what do you want for dinner? Let me think about it for a year. And it makes me like scream because I'm the polar opposite. I'm an extremely fast decision maker. And I became an even faster decision maker thanks to coaching because now I know that there's no wrong decision, right? Right. And he will still, he, he took like, he knew he wanted to marry me and he took like a year and a half to think about like, about like what would be a good time. Like, you know, it's, it's like, blah, right? But- that's what it ma- what makes him perfect for me because he balances me out. I'm extremely fast. He's extremely slow. So we have to meet in the middle, which happens to be the best place, right? But why did I just bring this up? Oh, right. So things about him that infuriate me, I think if I didn't have the perspective of my first marriage, I would have thought this is evidence of our incompatibility. hundred, hundred percent agree. Like my husband, I'm a minimalist. I like, like I throw away everything. 
to the point where like my kids literally when they were little used to get mad at me you threw my art project away i'm like i took a picture you don't need it anymore but my (laughs) husband if you saw like we were actually transitioning me into a new office space and it was his and there's still so much fucking shit everywhere it drives me fucking badass crazy like i could so easily similarly i could so easily make things about him bad and wrong but he's sensitive and he's very um sentimental and it balances mm. me because i'm not mm. very sentimental mm. i feel like mm. you like we need balance in relationships yeah. and yeah and if, if you're just if you're used to um thinking that that difference is their fault it's a problem and it's their fault and then you know, we will put ourselves in such situations over and over and over again, where we keep trying to change the circumstance. We keep trying to change a person. And of course that never fucking works. And then we just keep swapping out one unsatisfying circumstance after another one unsatisfying relationship after another. And it's like going in circles. And so, yeah, it's like, as I think the universe gives us really, really, really painful lessons when it really, really, really wants us to learn something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, not always. I think there are sometimes that terrible things happen and there's no like lesson. It's just a terrible thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Not everything happened. I don't believe that. Um, but a lot of the times when really terrible things happen, I think um, it's I find, it, I find it really helpful to think about it in terms of, okay, so the universe really, really didn't want me to miss this one. It wanted to like whack me in the face with this lesson so I don't miss it. And I feel like that's one of the profound lessons from my first marriage is that you, there's nobody in the world who can make you happy. There's nobody in the world who can make you unhappy. Um, you have to take responsibility for that. And again, except for scenarios like abuse and whatever, it's, the other person is always just showing you what your thoughts are about yourself and your capacity for happiness, right? Like you can't be happier than your capacity for happiness. The other person can't make you happier than your capacity for happiness. So if you have a limited capacity for happiness, you can meet the most wonderful Prince Charming, whatever, and then you will make him a problem because you have a limited capacity for happiness. You know what I mean? Yes. I actually think now that you say that, I ha- I actually have a similar like belief or similar similar um like I believe everything in life is somewhat of a mirror. And yeah. It's interesting because I think the same thing happens in your business. Like if you only have a certain capacity for like happiness or a certain capacity for growth, you can only hold that amount of growth for other people. 100%. You only have a certain capacity that you're like of success, then that's the amount of capacity you will receive back. And I think that that's why I'm like so committed to always being willing to go into the dark, right? Like being willing to do my own work because I know the, like the more I peel back things, the more I see things as they are, it's like the bigger the capacity I have to hold for other people's growth. And totally. And you know what's another side of that? What I've seen, which I'm sure you have probably seen too, but when you have a limited capacity of your own success or your own 
like, yeah, like good things that can happen to you when one of your clients like exceeds that you like, you're like, that can't happen. Right. You're like, like, wait, what's happening? Exactly. And you like sabotage. I mean, you're going to sabotage that relationship. If you're like only, I can only have this much success. And you, you like somebody, one of your, your clients or anybody, right. Is exceeding that you're going to drive those clients away because you're not like ready to receive it. Like I saw this happen and it was just totally see how that happens. Yeah. Right. And it just, it just, it just like, let me like spy into what's happening in their brains. And so, so that I make it a really, I make it a point, like that's actually been this way for a while. Like when I have a client, I intentionally do this work in my own energetic practice where I, so this is like a sort of a mirror to what you were saying, right? You have to be able to be willing to go really dark and deep to be able to like help your clients through the same, navigate the same things. And you also have to the opposite where you see yourself in infinite success and you see your clients in their infinite success and the amount of good, good and success they can have is like literally infinite. And I do this energetic practice. I highly recommend it. It's if you are a coach or yoga teacher, or whatever, it's so good. You practice holding each of your clients in your mind and you watch, you like watch them in your imagination, having the beyond the wildest, most successful, joyful, orgasmic, ecstatic life that they can, right? And that's the image you have in your mind for them. And, and you do the same with yourself, then that really explodes your capacity to hold like how much like energetic good you can hold for yourself and people around you. That is amazing. I when love that. Yeah. When you don't do that, you get into like, I, I'm sure like, this is not you at all. Like I just, I know that, but I know there's practitioners because we're human. We have like scarcity and we get into like competition with our clients. It's unconscious. Nobody's like, I'm going to compete with my clients. It's not totally unconscious. And, um, I, I mean, you know, if I have a scarcity that I haven't actively worked on it's the same thing for me as well so i'm not saying that some people are bad and some people are good but we all have this human thing so that's a really good energetic practice like when when you do this exercise for your clients like they they don't even need to be involved you just have to hold them in your mind and see them living like beyond their most wildly orgasmic lives the next time that client comes into your field even if you don't do anything they are just gonna feel different around you that's so fascinating because I've never done that, Simone, but yeah. something I do is I will ground myself and then I will ground other people in my, mm-hmm. in my energetic practice. Like, if, yeah, it's similar. Yeah. Similar, but like, I've never done it from the place of thinking about them in this really abundant way. I do it for myself in full honesty, but I just never crossed my mind to think about, I think about them, but I think about them more and where are they at? And let me take what their energy that's like weighing them down or holding them back, I ground it into like, I have a grounding tree into my grounding tree and into the earth. Um, some, one of my weird practices that I do. So if anyone is new to me, I do lots of weird shit. Um, I will literally cut the cords and I do lots of weird shit anyways. Um, but I love this idea of 
visualizing them and their abundance and their most glorious life. Because the truth is, if we're on radical honesty right now, I did have a client about a year ago and we weren't, she hadn't quite like in terms of money, I guess, right? Like gone beyond where I had gone, but she was pretty much neck and neck. And I think Mm. what happens is, you know, I think we're human and I have a lot of lack mentality in my ancestry and, you know, it's built. Who doesn't, honestly? (laughs) I fucking work on it every day. And it's something that I'm very aware of. And it's something I still struggle with. And I shrunk, like I wasn't able to coach her at the capacity that mm. I see now that I could have, because my, mm. I got in my head about like, oh my God, well, wait, if she's gonna surpass me, who am I to- yeah. That's the unconscious scarcity, yeah. That's the unconscious scarcity. And yeah. in yeah. full honesty, that was before I had some of the energetic practices that I've integrated in the last year, but like that can really sabotage a relation, a coaching relationship. It can, it can yeah. sabotage, like we said, a marriage. It can really sabotage anything. Yeah. You just, yeah. And I mean, I can't think of any specific examples right now, but I know I've had the same experience where I felt like threatened by a client's brilliance, their success and whatever. And I think it's always motivated by an internal thing of like, oh, you know, they're better than than me at this or they, you know, whatever, Um, as if there's only a limited amount of good that can go around. So, which once again is another reason that this exercise is so wonderful, right? Because it's not about how much money you make. It's not about who's good at this and who's better at that. It's you go to a coach so that you can be met in like their belief in your highest potential, right? And like Rachel and I can attest, we're both amazing coaches, but it doesn't come to us naturally because we have human brains and we all have a fuck ton of scarcity in our ancestry and our nervous system. And so I think it's really good to make a, make, a, make a regular practice of it. And guess what? It feels good. It feels so good mm-hmm. to do this exercise in your mind. And abundance feels so good. And wishing another person well feels so good. It's healing so like good. for you, you know? Yeah, so good. I think that our brains are so hardwired to look at what's lacking yeah, and to go to that place. And when we can hold it for ourselves and hold it for other people, I just think there is so much available and there's so possible. Even that client I was just talking about, like, right. Like if I could have seen like, yeah. Okay. So we were making almost the same amount of money. Right. But I had brilliance. I had expertise in a different area than she had. That's why she came to me. It's like, we forget in a moment, like our own shit. Like what? what Your clients don't come to you because of like dollar amount in your bank account. Like literally. They come to you. They don't give a shit actually. They really don't for the most part. Here's why they come to you. They come for you to be seen, to be heard and to for like you said, I always say like, uh, you can borrow my belief in you until you have it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Another way that, because I know that you're, you get the language of like energy too. One way to say it is you can borrow my belief. And another way to say it is like, I'm going to hold the energy of who you really are when mm-hmm. you're in my presence. And then over time, you're going to like calibrate yourself to that level of energy, which is who you really are. Right. But I'm just going to hold that for you while you're not quite practiced enough and holding it for yourself yet. 
I love that, Simone, because the, you know, anyone who knows anything about energy, that's the way energy works. Exactly. It calibrates. And I just, while you were talking, I just thought of a different energetic practice, which is the same, which is like the, the other side of what I just talked about seeing them in infinite success is like, so as Rachel and I just discussed beginning this conversation, we all have cobwebs. We all have skeletons. We all have shit, including shit. That's really too tender for even the most whatever courageous person to talk about, including myself. And so, and we also talked about how this isn't a problem. Well, it's like a hair in my mouth. Um, uh, sorry. And what if, and, and the whole, the problem with the cobwebs and the skeletons and the pain and the darkness is not the fact that they exist, but that we have shame about it. We think it's not okay. We think it's something else that we won't be whole until we fix them all, right? So what if you held another person in your mind and whatever their bag of darkness might be, whatever their unspoken pains, traumas, whatever their biggest, deepest, darkest shame is, you don't need to know any of the details. You probably don't know any of the details, just imagine their dark bag of darkness, right? And then imagining just sending healing and love and acceptance to all of it, right? And imagining your energy of love and healing acceptance just transferring to all of that and leaving it to the universe to take care of that. And it's almost like, like a blessing, right? Of the dark stuff they have. And you can do it for yourself. Like you don't have to go into any of the details. You just have to imagine all of that shit over there. I'm sending it love, healing, acceptance. It doesn't all need to heal right now. I trust the universe to take care of it, but I'm just like beaming that energy at all of that shit right now. I think that if you do that and you do also, you bookend it with the other practice of like seeing them in their extraordinary success, it's like now you are a coach who has room to see them in their greatest greatness and to hold them in your space, even in their darkest darkness, right? Mm. That's so powerful. And I feel like a lot of people don't do, don't intentionally cultivate the capacity to hold this kind of space because we're just not taught okay. to. Yeah, I don't think we are taught. I mean, I don't think most traditional coaching programs, I mean, honestly, even in I mean, I say this all the time, like, you know, my poor dad, if he ever listens to this podcast, which he probably won't, so it's all good, but my NYU ridiculously expensive graduate degree, not in psychotherapy, none of that was taught. None of that. Oh yeah. Which is mind blowing. I don't think it's even taught in like super expensive coaching programs. It's not, it's not, but I do have to say there is, I think this that's the gap, right? Is that it's it's not necessarily taught and it doesn't mean don't find places where you can get that, to yeah. get that support, to learn how to embody it more, to integrate it because you do, it's the shadow work. You have to be able to hold the dark and the light. Yeah, exactly. And for yourself first, in truth, yeah. to be able yeah. to hold the space for someone else. Yeah, yeah. And I think a, a big piece that sort of gets in the way of that is, um. Cause a lot of people, I'm sure, you know, it's like a lot of people are like, yeah, I see all of my dark. I, I accept it. And also like, when can it all get healed? Oh right? yeah. Such a rush, <laughs> right? Like, okay. I That's see a- it right now. Let's get it over with. Yeah. So the answer of when is like, never, it's not that you can't heal, but as long as you're human, you will go to the grave with some ouchy places in your consciousness. Here's, 
here's how I like to describe it. And I was describing it today to someone. It's, I believe it's like, have the awareness and then you have to have compassion and then acceptance because your wounds served you at some point. Yeah. Like what you have, like in some way, it was your brain protecting you. We don't yeah. like, it's like my arm. If my arm is hurt, I'm not going to cut it off and be done. Right, exactly. It is a part yeah, of yeah. me. I'm going to instead see it. I'm going to give it compassion and love. And if that's ice or heat, or I don't know, whatever the fuck my arm needs. And then I'm going to accept it. Even if it's now doesn't bend the way I want it to, because it's still my arm. And it's like, I think people try to cut off the arm when they have this idea that life should be pain-free. Yeah. Right. And especially if you're a practitioner, right. If you're a coach, yoga teacher, whatever, because you model healing and you do that for others. You think my life should be pain-free. My life should be, you know, free of all the cobwebs and no. (laughs) Sorry. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And I think once you get rid of the idea that life should be painless, I ironically, you achieve so much more peace because you're no longer at war with all the shit that hurts. You're just like, yep, that's there. makes me human. Yeah. And then you're going to have so much more capacity to help your clients accept their humanness. I always say, imagine if everyone accepted, like had more acceptance. I mean, that's the yogi in me, right? What if we all just accepted ourselves just a little bit more, not even all the way, just a little bit more. I just think that we would, we would have, I think a lot less I don't know. We'd have a a lot less problems in our world. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why we, people like us do the work we do because the messages of socialization are so pervasive and insistent and at every corner, like in the world, in society, the message is, no, you're not acceptable. You have to fix yourself. You have to change yourself. You have to get better. You won't be acceptable until you get to that milestone until, right. And then, so just know that like society runs on like keeping us on these tracks of like endless achievement, endless improvement. Just like, look at the media, like women are never left the fuck alone. It's always like, you need this for your skin and that for your body. And you're too fat and you're too wrinkly and you're too old and you're dressing wrong and your makeup is wrong. Like everything right and so know that i think it makes it easier in my experience to help people to accept all the crap when we realize how much like we're swimming upstream like how many cultural messages we are always up against and so if you can't like accept yourself perfectly peacefully all of the time it's not you it's like the water we swim in and it helps you have more compassion for, for the, for yourself when you're in the process. Right. Yes. hundred percent. Um, it's, it's, this is not like a one done deal. It's, it's, no. it's, it's something you're as a human, I think we work on until we die and it doesn't have to be a problem. Exactly. It's part of being a human. I love how you said that though. It's like, almost like it's the water. Like we're all drinking and you have to remember, like we need that water to thrive and to survive and just have something on my nose now. <laughs> what is that? Is it a booger? Um, yeah. I don't even know what I was saying with that, but yeah, it's, it's just like, I, again, I just really think it's everything kind of comes back to having more compassion for ourselves 
and totally. more acceptance. And knowing that there's no one, not even Rachel, not even me, not even whoever you can think of that Dalai Lama, nobody <sighs> is free of the of the shit that the kind of thing that make that you think makes you uniquely fucked up, uniquely broken. Like everybody has the same amount of broken. And if you can't see it in somebody else, it's just because you're really good at hiding. Like many of us are taught to be really good at hiding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're all taught from a very young age. If you just think about it, you know, you fell down and what did mom say to you? Are you, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Mom never, it's not a big deal. Right. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And it's like, oh wait, something's wrong with me. Yeah. We're, we're just, it's just, we're, we're taught it at a young age and you know what, we all go through it and, um, we all always will. Yeah. Let, let your cobwebs actually strengthen your conviction in yourself that you're yeah, in your relationship wrong. to yourself. Yeah. You're on the right path. Yeah. Not yeah. to use them against you. Exactly. And they're reminding you to, cause if you didn't have them, I think we would never need to intentionally love ourselves right because like we don't need to use that muscle of loving ourselves when everything's going well and you feel happy you know um but because the cobwebs are there it's always like hey can you love yourself even now can you love yourself even now can you give yourself compassion even here can you accept yourself even here right and you the more you practice that muscle the more you can use use it for your clients right so every time like you have that, you're like, oh, why isn't this healed yet? Oh, why am I still struggling with that? It's like, okay, this isn't healed yet after years and years and years of therapy and whatever, like here it is. So the shit's still here. Can you give it love and compassion even now? And when you can, that's how much deeper you can take your clients to. Amen. Oh my God, so good. Well, Simone, I don't want to keep you all day. And as much as I could talk to you probably for hours and hours and hours, yeah. ironically, guys, I love Simone now. Like, you know, yes, <laughs> I did it. Well, I would hope so since you invited me. It'd be yeah. awkward if you invited obviously. me. Invited Maybe me. not, obviously. I'm just saying it since I said that. I love <laughs> Simone now. I admire her. I read all of her stuff. Because but, but, but Rachel, but don't you think so it's when you thought you didn't like me? It's not that you didn't like me. You just didn't like yourself because you thought you yes. were not successful back yes. then. And the reason you love me now is because you love yourself because you feel yes. abundant now, right? Correct. So I just have to point that out. It's yeah. like, it actually yes. doesn't have to do with me. It's no, like- it has nothing to do with Simone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she didn't change. She's the same person. Right. It was- Yeah, I'm the same person. Yeah. see that, that it's yeah. you. Like, you know, you can- change your relationship with yourself. And that will literally change your relationship yeah. with everyone. I mean, and you make yourself available for more love and more connection, because if you hadn't expect, like we would have, we wouldn't have connected in this way, you know, and now you're like, Hey, Simone's good. Cause I'm good. And then like, yeah. not just me, but whoever you just open yourself up to just so much more love, so much more connection, so much more like richness of life. Right? Yeah. And I just want to say that when you do that, like, if you're struggling in your business right now, like you're a coach, teacher, you're newer, when you start to, and people are like, yeah, right. Yeah. It's just about loving yourself. It really fucking is because when you really love yourself more, like Simone just said, and you, then you can see that you actually open up like your energetic container to receive more. Exactly. In my if you're like, 
I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm not successful. I'm not successful. Then that's the energy you're giving out. Like who wants to work with a coach or yoga teacher who's like, I'm struggling and I'm not successful. Right. Nobody wants that. That's yeah. Anyway. All right, Simone. So tell these wonderful people that if they want to get more of your vibe and learn more of your wisdom, where would they find you? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening and being with us with our conversation today. If you want to listen more from me, you can check out my podcast. It's called Joyful Marketing. And you can check me out on Instagram um, where I play a lot. Um, I'm at at simone.grace.seol. That's my last name. Yes. And Simone gives you lots of great truth bombs, which is why I love her so much. Following me is like drinking from a fire hose. So let me just say that. I love it. It's so inspiring. It inspires me to be more every day, more real, more authentic. Say the things that to some people might be, go against what they think. I'll say it like that. Yeah. Well, I love your leadership as well. And it's inspiring to me as well. And uh, once again, thank you so much. It was so much fun talking to you. Do it again. Welcome. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mastering the Craft of Coaching. If you want to learn more about my work, come visit me at rachelbethcoaching.com. Hope you have a fantastic week. Till next time. See you then.